0: Welcome back to farad Gone. On deck for you today, we have a big-time interview with the GA, Mary Baldwin, and former EMU shortstop, Zach Roberts. After that, we're dropping down our predictions for this year's 60-game schedule with a lot, and I mean a lot, of hot takes. You're going to want to stay tuned for this episode. We're here with Zach Roberts, GA at Mary Baldwin, former shortstop at EMU, man. How's it going today? Going good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, You know, let's honestly talk some hitting. You're a big hitting guy. We played together for three years. We talked a lot about hitting. You're one of the guys that I always kind of look to when we're talking about approach, mechanics, stuff like that. Uh, Right now, as a coach, when you're talking to, to your players, what advice are you giving them? What are you telling them? Uh, so, right, with, so Mary Ball is kind of a weird situation with it being a first-year program, so we kind of have some younger guys, so all of them are either freshmen or sophomores starting to try to get into a four-year program, so it's not like a regular university that we've, we both went to where guys are starting to try to fine-tune their swings and kind of know their swings a little bit. Um, we're trying to teach them and try to know their swings as, be- as much as possible so they can try to make adjustments on the fly. So we're just we're kind of doing some basic stuff right now, just kind of knowing, telling them, depending on who the hitter is, um, knowing what their best swing is. So um, kind of just some basic stuff right now, and then hopefully as they get older we can try to go into some more in-depth stuff. But uh, just really just trying to get to know – try to teach them to try to know their swing as much as possible right now right i think you brought up a really good point there is you talked about the best swing that they can produce based on kind of the hitter they are are right. you are you one of the mentality that every guy should kind of swing the same cookie cutter or are you a guy that believes that different guys have different swings based on their play style yeah i'm, I'm more about who they are as a as a, as a hitter like I, I want to make sure that they can produce their own swing or they can make themselves their own hitter compared to one particular way that maybe we want to do it. Mm-hmm. Again, maybe some there's some cookie-cutter things that I can tell a guy that um, has been said for how many years now, but I want to try to make sure a guy that's, that can develop his own swing and try to make sure that he can get off his, his best mm-hmm. swing and not, not trying to do what, other guys in a group schooling, you know what I'm saying, right? So, um, so again, it's just as a as a coach now that just finishes first year, kind of sort of, um, it's just tr- trying to talk to different personnel, different guys about what their best swing mm-hmm. is. So, I know we've talked with over the years about how a guy with size might need to have a different approach or a different swing style than a guy that maybe is trying to figure it out, trying to just a, a contact guy. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'm just trying to talk to them about what their best swing is instead mm-hmm. of just trying to have a full overview of what um, we want them to accomplish, just trying to get more in-depth with each guy um, with with what they what, what we want them to accomplish and also what they want to accomplish because it's, it's, about, it's about them now, especially as a coach. Right, right, of course. And I hear you there because I think – I think a lot of the times we're getting into an era of, I would guess, I would say, social media kind of revolution here, where everyone's a hitting coach on Twitter, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, in my opinion, I want to get your, I want to get your thoughts on this too. In my opinion, it's kind of screwing up a lot of guys because a lot of guys don't need to be necessarily big, you know, launch angle guys or big movement guys or big guys like that when maybe their best swing is a single up the middle or through mm-hmm. the six hole a double in the gap versus maybe less of a, a power drive or a power stroke over the left field fence. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. Um, so I just trying to talk to um, different guys because I know kind of the, the new school revolution type stuff kind of came up pretty quick in our college days, and everybody was really excited about it. And now I've kind of got the gist of, okay, let's try to meet somewhere in the middle of it and to say, Here's your here's your best swing. Here's your best as a hitter. Let's not try to overdo things. Mm-hmm. If you're a guy that at the Division three college level, you get if you hit have 50 hits and only you get eight doubles, but that's the that's your best that's your best swing. Let's do that, man. You're getting on base. You're helping the team out. So um it's just trying to find trying to talk to each guys about what their personnel is and kind of what they do best Mm -hmm. i mean even if it's a guy that can run i mean and can put down even can put down some bunts and leg it out like hey man let's let's put that in your toolbox so it's just trying to expand on what what their game is and um but again let's not let's get back to what they're best at Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so but if it's a guy that you know has proved himself that can let's let's drive the ball in the gap let's 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 get on second base when when you're up to hit like let's your your best swing is trying to hit a double in the right. gap or over the center over the center fielder's head. So let's try to make a swing that can produce that. Again, mm-hmm. we got to start from the basics, uh, basic fundamental stuff. But as as you keep improving, as you keep improving yourself, that okay, this guy can do this. Right. Let's add, let's add on to that. But if you're if you're if you're a guy like hey man, let's just do a, a Tony Gwynn type five six mm-hmm. five six hole hitter. I mean heck man, let's. Let's just keep producing that and helping helping you guys out with that way. Yeah, I'm happy you touched on new school because I mean, for I guess my first three years in the three years we played, we were we were as old school as it came. We mm-hmm. we were we were A to C. We were you know put the ball on the ground, and I don't think I appreciated that enough when when uh, for the first three years, honestly, because I went into a fourth year and we went really new school, and I found myself almost like I I feel like there's a little less to hitting than this. Like you, um you know, you hear guys like Christian Yelich talk and I know Christian Yelich went on got into a little Twitter spat the, about a month ago because right. because a lot of people were telling him, Oh, what did you do to improve your launch angle? What did you do, you know, with all these analytics and he was like I didn't And yeah, and right. while while he may have numbers wise, for him it didn't and I know I've heard interviews with Freeman that have talked about he, he doesn't think launch angle ever. And yeah. he, and, and it's crazy to think that uh, that's uh, yeah. I think you put it right. We need to find somewhere to meet in the middle. I think that's the best yeah. way. And I, like listen to Christian to the Alex, like how he ch- kind of changed his career from Miami to Milwaukee. All all he kind of was doing was just change his contact point. I mean, he's kind of just like, hey man, let's let's try to hit the ball out front a little bit more instead of trying to get beat. I mean, his besides some subtle changes he had. His swing, his swing path same. Mm-hmm. It's just where he's making contact at, and that's just producing more balls that are in the air type deal. Um, but I mean, you look at the stats. His his launch angle the year he won MVP was still like four percent yeah. or something. Like yeah. it wasn't it wasn't any higher than it was. I mean, in Miami, mm-hmm. he's just his hard hit percentage was just was, was skyrocketed, and it and that's. That's what we're trying to try to tell our guys is just find a swing that you can consistently hit the ball hard. If and if you get and your hard hit your best hard hit balls will do what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's and I and I and I believe that that's the way I kinda of, as a hitter when I was going through especially my college years, like, okay, if I can produce a hard hit ball over time, it's gonna produce the line drives I want or the or the rising fly ball I oh, want wow. type deal. So, um but yeah, I'll just listen to a lot of these big league guys in a, in an era where everything's about getting the ball in the air. They don't really think about that. It's just let's produce a swing that over time, over 162 games, will produce the my my best results. And right. again, Freddie Freeman's different from um, somebody else that's in the league. It's just right. what he think, what he thinks he does best, and what Christian Yelich thinks he does best. And that's why I think hitting is such a unique thing because there's so many different thought processes to it. Right, and like like it, I think you made a real good point about, like, Freeman's different than anyone else. It's like, even if you look on the same teams, if you're looking at a team like the Angels, David Fletcher is not hitting anywhere like Mike Trout, Not the same way. No. Nope. Yet, both of them are, I mean, all-star caliber hitters at this point. Yep. I know Fletcher was this past year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, what did, you as a player, I mean, you were one of the two outs, you know, with Joe Hall, two guys that probably impressed me the most over my college career hitting wise that were on my own team Um, and I felt like you guys did similar things where it just kind of go up to the plate get a ball to hit and hit it hard at the same time I mean there was different ways around it y'all both had totally different swings uh, Mm -hmm. but it produced the same results high average a little bit of pop a lot of doubles and that's something that I really like to hear Um, but as a player what, what happened between, I would say, freshman year to senior year that changed a lot with you? Yes. Yeah, so, um, that, I think, uh, actually, the change I made was after my sophomore year spring. Um, I've been fortunate to have a hitting coach that's in Charlottesville mm-hmm. uh, by the name of Todd Proctor. Um, I think he's, he's been a guy that I've relied on for the last, I mean, eight, seven, eight years. Um and I mean, after coming off sophomore year, I, I, was, I had a, I had a good spring, but we kind of ch- changed some things both ways. Um, as far as just, I know freshman and sophomore, my stance was a little wider, mm-hmm. so we kind of we kind of narrowed it. And I guess the comp I kind of compared it to was what Cody Bellinger does now. He just he kind of has a narrow stand. He just kind of goes. He does, there's not much of a load there, um, but he just kind of just okay recognize and just go get to a nice 50 50 spot Mm -hmm. um on your landing point and uh go with it and i we kind of worked with that and before i went up to new york um for the summer i think what helped me did was far as it got me some momentum um going toward towards the baseball but again i wasn't out of control it wasn't like going i wasn't lunging again again it was just trying to figure out what I needed to do to get to that landing point and a balanced landing point. But we kind of took a load out of it, mm-hmm. if you know what I'm saying. Like, I didn't, there, was, there wasn't much of a negative movement going back towards the catcher towards the umpire. It was more just like, hey, okay, let's narrow it up again a little bit, get into your back hip type deal, and let's have some full momentum. And what kind of taught me a little bit was that I was able to catch balls out in front a little better, and I was able to hit balls to the full side a little more, a little better. Without having the top spin balls. Mm-hmm. I know a lot, my first two years, balls I, hit, I was able to hit the ball well to, to the opposite field on a line, but balls I was hitting towards second base, right field, or even in the gap had a lot of top spin to it. And we were just trying to figure out, okay, let's try to figure out a way we can time things up where we can catch the ball up more up front and it has better ball flight. So um, that, we kind of worked on that for the month of May before I went up to New York. And my timing was a little off at first, but once I figured it out, like I was able to hit my. I kind of wish there was some analytics stuff up there because I felt like I was hitting balls hard every every other bat, and I was just I was so pleased with how um, things were going, especially especially left-handed. I felt like left-handed kind of changed changed the way I hit left-handed, which I was really pleased. So I was really excited to go into my junior year and 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 be able to. Continue that, and obviously, I mean, I had a good start, and then I unfortunately, I got hurt. But it's something I, try, I still try to carry my last two years of college, because I felt like being able to find the barrel a little better was the, was was something I was able to do my last two years, even though I might have got had some hard out. I was hitting the ball hard. I felt like, and that's what I just what I wanted to do. So, um, it kind of happened about halfway through my. College career going up through the summer of New York, just trying to kind of changing my stance a little bit, getting rid of a load sort of, and then um, just kind of going having some a little bit more momentum going towards the pitcher. But we, the big emphasis was let's remain balanced while mm-hmm. we're doing it. Let's not let's not lunge for it. It's just let's narrow it up, gain some momentum, but again, it's controlled right at the same time. And I felt like once once I figured it out a little bit, I mean I, I, that's something I was really pleased with. Mm-hmm. No, I mean that's great stuff. And then one question I've been dying to ask you for the last couple of years: is senior year, you had a torn labrum, yet you still were one of the best hitters in the ODEC, Still hit over three hundred. Like how? Like how? I mean, I mean the the home run pop wasn't there, but the double pop was still there, and you were still slapping balls all over the yard. Like how, man? Uh, it hurt, but uh, um, I don't know how. I don't know how it worked. I mean, I think like this is where I'm like I, I think. As a college hitter, getting to know your swing for four years played a huge role. Because I didn't, I did. I have to change some things my senior year. Yes, I didn't. I felt like my bat speed was 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 slower just because my shoulders weren't weren't in the right spot. Um, but I felt like I knew my swing well enough, where I think I can I can still handle the bat, well, mm-hmm. well enough, well enough at least. So, um, it's just I think it was just continuous, like okay. You've worked your you've worked yourself to a swing that you think can be successful in college for three and three years, and then your senior year is just trying to figure out some adjustments that can make you survive a little bit. So, senior year I kind of wind out just a tad, mm. um, just because I just didn't feel like my timing was right, my basket was right. I wind out my stance just a tad just so I can give myself a chance a little bit. Again, I'm not I'm not. I'm not big on like let's get the foot down first before you swing. Like I not I've never thought like that. It's just okay. Let's just time up the pitcher the way you need to, mm-hmm. and then if you have your if you have good timing, everything's just gonna flow right into it. So, but I did wind myself up my stances up because senior year I basically became just a left handed hitter, mm-hmm. so I was able to just okay let's just work on the left handed swing, and then as we go as we go along the season, if there's some adjustments you need to make. Um, let's make it. And that adjustment was just kind of wind up your stance a little bit. And let's just try to, just, and again, not much change. Let's just try to barrel balls up mm-hmm. and hit the ball hard. But that was kind of one adjustment I kind of had just hopefully kind of survive. Because I did feel like my bat speed was a little slower than what it was. Um, unfortunately, just because uh, what, what the injury was. Mm-hmm. So, But um, that's one adjustment I made. And I feel like again like hitting over 300 with with that situation I was pretty pleased with and being able to have I think I had 9 doubles that year like I was, I was yeah. like, okay 9 doubles with with uh, an injury like that I was pretty pleased with so I mean again it's kind of I, I still don't, I still kind of play the what if role which is kind of sucks but I mean to have this situation we were, we were in mm-hmm. and be able to still do that I mean it's not it's something to cool look back on Yo absolutely uh to touch yeah. on a point you made foot down when you're swinging or foot down before you swing and this kind of goes back to the mechanical point doesn't correct me if i'm wrong doesn't that break your momentum and basically create your swing into two separate parts basically have your load your stride and then you have to get back going for your swing yeah right yeah i think so okay and again like where where i grew up in like in little league and stuff, that's what that's what everyone, it was a load step swing type thing. It was three different steps. And then luckily I found the guy I did and he's like, well, let's, let's make it one fluid motion. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you kind of like you time up your body parts, right, it's going to, it's going to make everything flow. Right. So for me, for what I was taught as a hitter, and again, it might be different for you. It might be for different for everybody. We, we focused a lot on our, on our legs and our core mm-hmm. to kind of start, start our swing. And, um it wasn't much like okay let's start with our hand let's just let's try to sequence things let's try to sequence things from the ground up from getting to a, a good position after you, your stride or your load or whatever it is and then let's kind of like sequence things up from there up so once when you when your barrel starts to get in the in the on plane it's just flowing right through mm-hmm. the zone type field so again you're right it to have two different parts or three different parts of the swing, that's that's I don't want that. I want a fluid momentum type right motion to get through the baseball and again have it again I think that helped me as far as getting into a good spot to where I needed to have good, good contact points and all and then ultimately have good extension mm-hmm. in the baseball. Now I w I wasn't cut myself off. I wasn't I wasn't trying I wasn't leaning I wasn't lunging forward. I was able to get into a strong spot and then able to extend. Finish what I needed to finish, mm-hmm. type deal. But you're right. I think having two different parts in the swing, or having that thought process, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't teach that. I wouldn't talk to guys about having that. It was more right. like, hey, let's let's get into a, our right spot and let everything flow through that. Yep, yep. That's that's basically my thoughts. Because every every time that I fell into a bad habit of foot down, didn't swing, then my front shoulder would go because I was so worried yep. about creating power again because I lost yep. it in that pause. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And that's and that's why and that's what I kind of thought thought too. Like, okay, when my foot's down, I'm waiting on the baseball. Mm-hmm. How am I going to generate when I need to generate? And again, again, certain, in my opinion, certain counts and certain situations, you might have to think that. Yeah. Like, I, uh, what it's whatever. But I don't want my best swing mm-hmm. to be that. You know, I, you, I want my best swing to be able to produce a, a hard line drive into in the middle of the field. Or ultimately, the gap. Right. I don't, I just, for my, in my opinion, I don't still think a foot down type scenario and just kind of waiting on it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's my, it's, it wasn't my best right. way to do it. And again, people are different, but again, talking to you, it seems mm-hmm. like you not having that thought process wasn't the mm-hmm. same way either. So, yeah. Um, it's just, it's just, especially in hitters counts or counts where you're not fighting for your life. Mm-hmm. Let's just try to produce something. Let's try, let's produce your best swing and uh and go from there yeah and one of the other notes that I really wanted to touch on is uh we really we at least you and me have heard a to c before and then I think there's two other approaches that are really have come alight and one of them is basically getting on plane with the pitch which is the one I Mm -hmm. prefer and then there's just kind of the launch angle one where you're just practically swinging up on the ball which which one do you prefer to I guess tell yourself and or tell your hitters yeah, so um I'll start off as a as a player mm-hmm. when I was a player it was get on plane and stay on plane, Right. Deal. And ultimately it wasn't it was never really talked about to me as far as um let's get our bat on plane and stay on plane. It was like let, let's use the other parts of our body and sequence it right and naturally it will get on plane to, to where it needs to go to. And that's how I was taught. Um, I never really thought about my my hands, so to speak. I was never like, okay, I need to get my hands on plane. It was more like, okay, if everything sequences up right, mm-hmm. and I'm in, a, and I'm, and I'm in good balance. It's, I think, I feel like my back's gonna be where it needs to be. Right, it'll do it itself it, it, almost. It, it, right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's and that was my process. And that and while I was when I was going good, when I was feeling good, and, and going the way I needed to. That's exactly what I felt, and I was like, okay, I, need, I don't have to think about my hands or my bat to get on, to get where it needs to be. If everything lines up right, it's going to do what it needs to do. So, as a player, it was like, and it, but it was never like, oh, we got to get here to here type of mm-hmm. was whatever this, so it was never like, oh, let's, let's get up, or let's get under the baseline right. to, 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 to produce fly balls mm-hmm. or whatnot. It's like, let's do what we need to do to get on plane. With our lower half type deal, and everything will fall with mm-hmm. it. So, um, as a player, that was how my process was, and when I was going good, I felt I felt good doing that. As a as a coach, it's been a little different because we have had guys that are really choppy with their swing, mm-hmm. and we have guys that are really loopy with their swing. So it's kind of telling them, okay, think about swinging down mm-hmm. for a guy who has a who. who Catches the ball under, who's underneath the ball a lot, and and producing a lot of pop ups mm-hmm. Now, if he's if he's hitting under the baseball, but he's driving the ball with defense, fence or driving the ball in the gap, or right, whatever, I'm not gonna let's not let's keep doing mm-hmm. man. So, but if he's producing a lot of pop ups, kind of a process I'm saying, like let's let's try to let's try to let's try to maybe have a thought process of let's swing down a little bit, right. maybe that can try to. Overcompensate this and maybe try to get more on plane, mm-hmm. so to speak, with, with it. So, but a guy that's choppy, it's, it's a whole new story. Let, let's try to get around. Let's try to get away from the swinging down mm-hmm. part, and let's try to let's try to not try to, I guess, produce a big loop in your swing. But again, it's just try to talk different ways and try to get yourself a better chance of success. So instead of the guy's having this much success. Let's try to extend that out to where if you're late on baseballs, you can still drive into the to right field. And if you're early, you still have a chance to still barrel ball up. Um, so it's been different as a coach, and it's, I'm still trying to learn, um, how to talk to different guys about mm-hmm. this swing because it's, it's, it's so new. Again, instead of I focus on Zach Roberts' swing, it's focused on 18 different hitters' right. swings. So, um, and they're all different. Mm-hmm. So and and so it's just trying to figure out okay when they're going bad or when they're not going right, what can I tell them to try to get them back to where they need to get back to. So it's really trying to focus on their swings early and then know okay this is where you're best at or this is where you're not. And trying to talk have that same language with them as far as okay this is where we need to get back to. Mm-hmm. And again. If your guy, if your guy's under baseball, let's try to let's try to focus. Maybe, maybe let's try to focus on hitting a different part of the baseball type deal. Okay, I know Alex Bregman talked about a lot when he's facing high velo guys, mm-hmm. he's gonna try to hit the top part of the baseball. And then if he's facing guys that are have different types of movement on like their ball, sinker ball guys, he he focuses on different parts of the baseball to try to hit. So, guy that has a a long swing, let's okay, let's let's. Hypothetically, just just try to focus on hitting the top half of the baseball mm-hmm. and see if that kind of evens itself out to where he's really technically not hitting ground balls, but he's he's, he's focusing on on hitting the middle part of the baseball, hitting hard line drives, and then so um, that's been an experiment to try to talk to guys and with the at the Division three level, you only have four weeks to work with them yep. in the fall and then kind of when it's in the spring. I mean, it's two weeks, three weeks, and it's go time. Let's just try to find the best nine guys, out there to try mm-hmm. to help us out. So it's 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 it can it can get hard at times because you don't want to try to have too much tweaks. Yep. Because it can it can get problematic all at once. So it's just trying to find the most simplest form of language for that particular person. Mm-hmm. And then, SK, okay, let's 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 find a way that works best for you and just kind of go on with that. Yeah, what one of the things you mentioned that I really like that I. I really missed this past year, and I thought, and I really didn't appreciate Coach Spots enough for doing this, was the idea that you're trying to work with everyone on their swing instead of build a model that every player has to get their swing to. Yeah. Um, because even though maybe Coach Spots wasn't always the best, we talk about mechanics or I guess, you know, certain people's mechanics. It worked for others. Um, he seemed like he always had a plan for my swing or for someone else's swing. It, I wasn't very mm. cookie cuttered um meanwhile this past year i felt like a lot of us were like okay here's the model you need to get to everyone get to it right and some Mm -hmm. guys failed some guys could never even come close to it some guys were already the model um yeah and it it i i would say that it works a lot for a lot of guys if you're looking at their swings individually rather than grouping them or making everyone try to have the same exact swing um yeah yeah I, i get i i get that and like Kind yeah, it'd be interesting to kind of do go along as a coach. It's kind of like okay, maybe these particular guys kind of have the same type of problems or flaws. So trying to find ways to group those guys mm-hmm. together, and and then they they can work together with what the coach sees in those particular right. guys and go and go on from there. So because if if you're we're, you're six seven different guys at all that have this to have all different problems. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're bouncing around different information, each guy, or maybe, maybe, and again, it's just a thought, like having five, six different of the guy, guys that, okay, these guys kind of have the same problems when they're mm-hmm. not going right. Putting those guys in the same group, or putting those guys together, working together with those guys, right. on the same deal. And then hopefully that can kind of progress a little quicker or progress a little easier for right. the guys. And, and the, and the coaches as well. Um, it's just a thought that I've always kind of thought about, mm-hmm. like, okay, maybe we can group these these guys together, and then they can kind of go forward and what they need to improve on, going on from there. But again, it's just kind of thoughts. But uh, for me, as it's just trying to eliminate as much confusion as possible. Because yep. hitting is such a, it's such a, it, it, there's so many different languages to it. And with the social media part of it, like it, it's just, it's just skyrocket as far as different ways to talk about it and whether it's good or bad it's, it's whatever like it's just trying to eliminate confusion as much as possible and that's just ways that as, as a as a coach whether it's in a team setting or I've done some individual lessons at places I've worked at um, it's just trying to eliminate as much confusion as mm-hmm. possible for the guys because I mean hitting's already hard enough so let's not try to let's not try to overcompensate things and, and as they go forward as well. Yeah, I think my favorite right now is, I think everyone and their sister is a, twitting, a Twitter hitting coach right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They could throw anything in their bio that, you know, so-and-so certificate, so-and-so approved, and next thing you know mm-hmm. they have every gif of every major league hitter in there. Yeah, it's, it's just the hitting gurus is just going through the roof, and I just... It's so... I mean, it's just trying to find the right guy. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's so... I mean, I'll fall. I'll try to follow as many good ones as I can. But again, it and I, you and me both. I, I think it's pretty easy to find ones that are just like ah, this ain't yeah, this yeah. ain't it. So, but it's just trying to find the right ones, and again, trying to. I mean, I do your research too, just kind of mm-hmm. saying like, okay, this guy works with these guys or has done this for so many amount of years. Like, see what his resume is like, and kind of go forth from there. But. Um, it's just crazy how many different languages there are and how many people want to be that and mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's great that they're trying to impact people in their lives and their careers, but again making sure we're we're sending out the right information as well yeah no we you have to be sending out the right information, especially if you have a a platform of even over a thousand followers on twitter like you're gonna, you're gonna screw up some people I mean my favorite player of all time. I mean, Chipper hates. I mean, hates new school hitting and hates yeah. Twitter guys. I mean, I swear it's like once a week he'll get into it with some new school guy on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's quite mm-hmm. funny. And you know, you take that as you is. But I think you're right. Is you got to make sure you're sending out the right information. You can't. You can't be screwing up. You know, I would say twelve to fourteen year old impersonable, impressionable kids. Yeah. Um, so early with maybe a, a such a slew of information that now they're confused. Do they, right? Do they drop their backside? Do they get in the movement piece early? Do they do this? Do they do that? Do they do this? And mm-hmm. next thing you know, they're so confused at the plate they can't hit anything anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. Especially at that young age, mm-hmm. like there, these guys are relying on you, and that's not, might be information they try to carry on for the rest of their life or the rest of their baseball career. So, um, again, that. It might, I, I, my opinion, there's certain ages where you're just like, man, just go up and hit and yep. see what happens. And then there's other times. Okay, you're at a particular age now where we can try to get more in-depth stuff. So, um, yeah, twelve, four. In my opinion, 14 thirteen, fourteen-year-olds, it's just let's go up there and hit and then just see what happens and just have fun doing it type deal. Where, and then as you get older, okay, so here's kind of the mechanics mm-hmm. piece or more in-depth piece. Again, we can talk mechanics to these younger yeah. kids, and but. Again, let's not kind of try to over over blow them with with constant stuff. And so, but as we get older, as we as we can consume more stuff, um, and as we can find more stuff that we like or dislike, sure, let's let's go more definitely. Mm-hmm. But it's, again, it just kind of depends on the age. And luckily, I've been able to do some individual work um, lately with different kids, and um, just finding different, seeing the different age levels and stuff. I mean, I've had. Uh, twelve-year-olds come in and um, um, we've just had a good time, talk some different things and but it's more just like okay, let's just hit the ball hard type right. deal. And then, um, again, the same this, the place I go to, Blake Shar goes to. Mm-hmm. And, and so when me and Blake hit together, we can go in more in depth on things and kind of have some real in depth conversations on stuff. And it's not confusing us. It's just right. it's trying to make us better type deal. Mhm. And I'm, I'm of the nature, I have gone from uber new school, I mean as new school as it comes, to now kind of in the middle. And I think I finally, after months and months of quarantine thinking and season thinking, I think I've broken it down to finally get up there, find a swing that makes you hit the ball hard and roll with that. I mean, yeah, your vertical bad angle and your compensation angles and your exit velocities, they'll all come with finding a good swing to your own. Right, like I, me, you, a small guy, six foot six, three hundred guy. are we're all gonna have different swings, but if we can produce mm-hmm. hard hit balls, that's the goal. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, that's something that, again, like I know uh, Coach Bias talked about it, or got, or even coaches that I played for before that talked about it. I I still think ball fights came. Like I mm-hmm. still think just seeing, seeing your ball do what it needs to do. Um, on a live field can tell you so much. And um and that's why I think that's kind of the swing change I kinda of had. Like look, I'm hitting the ball hard to my pool side, but I'm possibly it like crazy. So right. I'm not doing something. I don't I'm am i I'm not doing something to finish my swing off the right way the way I want mm-hmm. to. Let's try to try to and again, like that's 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 from learning what my ball fight was doing. Again, it was it was hit hard but it wasn't the ball fight I kind of was wanting or that's not the goal I wanted. Mm-hmm. So again, hitting balls with good ball flight over the over the, through the middle of the field, I I still think that's the best way to kind of get get to know your swing from a traditional standpoint. And again, we got all these nice things now that can really help you, but again, I just think going out there and and, and seeing seeing it yourself can can teach you so many things yep. still. And um and that's what that's what I've kind of been doing for my for my bit when I was playing. Yep. It's just going out there on a on a field or even in a cage. You can still it's it's just I know it's smaller smaller uh, scenario, but even in a cage you can try to figure out, okay, I think that ball's hit well or mm-hmm. I think that ball's gonna have some carry on it. But especially in like live BP, I think just being able to see what your ball is doing, um, I still think it's the best way to do it. Yeah, no. I mean, Rapsodo can tell you all the information in the world, but when it breaks mm-hmm. down to it, seeing if that ball's going to carry into the gap or that ball going to die early is really where you really need to see it at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I just, for for me, seeing seeing the ball do what it needs to do, it, it just brought so much more confidence. Mm-hmm. That's where that's where I need to that's where I need to be. Um, Saturday at noon, I yep. feel like. Uh, um, and again, that's that's something that. If I see that, that's something I can try to carry on to practice and to my cage work type deal. Let's just try to repeat that over and over and over to where, okay, hopefully it's just second nature when it comes to when it comes to the game. Um, but even but even in the game too, like when you see when you see when you see a ball hit well or not hit well, that's something you can try to tell yourself again any game you don't want to probably talk about mechanics too much, mm-hmm. but that's something okay, when it comes back the next day of practice, here's what my balls are doing when I was making contact. Let's just try to make some subtle adjustments in season to try to hopefully when that happens again, there's a different result. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. No, I love that. But to wrap this up, one question i like to ask all of our guests. If you could step in the box against one Major League Pitcher, past, present, doesn't matter when, and have a live A-B against, who would it be? And why? Good question. Past or present? Yep. Uh, I'll have to go with the present and I like to see uh, Jacob Degrom, just because I I've never seen ninety mile an hour sliders, mm-hmm. so I want to kind of see what a hundred looks like, and then when he breaks off a, a slider that looks a hundred, then and actually it's still like ninety ninety <laughs> yeah. two, but yeah. it's just it's it's coming towards you instead of straight at you. So, um, again, he's he's also two time Cy Young winner now, so um, I think I think that's as far as seeing that I've uh, seen a presentation, mm-hmm. I think that'll be pretty gross. It's pretty gross to kinda of step in the box. I wouldn't have any success, but to say like okay I saw his full arsenal mm-hmm. 60, 60 feet away in person, that'd be kinda of sweet. Yeah, I think 99 uh, I think ninety ninety nine at your chest and then a ninety three <laughs> mile per hour slider at your back foot might <laughs> might get you. Yeah, it would get me. But if you kinda of go back to the dugout or back to the house Oh I yeah like I got to see that first, Oh yeah. So no doubt about um, that. It'd be It'd be gross. It'd be embarrassing. It'd be three pitches. So, but now you take one that, yard. Take one yard. You, you can turn a on ball. One. Or, yeah. Try to hit a ball right back at him. Or, <laughs> yeah. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. we broke. The bat we broke but at least I made contact. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, baby steps. Baby steps. Then, then we'll get you to the right. pros. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. right. Uh, I appreciate it, Zach. Thanks for coming on, man. We'll have to welcome you back one day. alright man. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for letting me give have- me on in. All right, I guess this is the time of year where we start actually getting to make predictions again because our first predictions are out of the window. Uh, quick, Mob just dropped a tweet the other day in a 60-game stretch in the last decade. The most homers that were hit in a season, Giancarlo hit 33. Harper had the best OPS in 2015 with a 1,269. Garrett Cole and Corey Kluber both struck out 133. In a sixty-game stretch, and Jake Arrieta's obvious twenty fifteen season, you get a point four one in a sixty-game stretch. So those are some of the kind of things that could happen in a sixty game. But I mean, we got we got to put it down now. Whether it's division winners, prediction, the World Series winners. Let's start with awards. I know who my MVPs are going to be this year, but I want to hear from you guys first. Who's your AL MVP? I go first. You got to like mine? Sure. Yeah. J Ram. Yeah. J. Ram's winning it. He actually oh, had a really hot start right. in 2017 and 2018. Hit really well in April and May, and I think he's going to end up with more stolen bases than Trout. And I also predict he's going to end up with more homers than Trout. Yeah, I'm staying as vanilla impossible, going Mike Trout. Um, <laughs> uh, I like that pick. I I didn't want to be vanilla. I went with Matt Olson. Okay, all right, I buy it. I think first base kills him. All right. The problem. The problem here is in six I think someone's gonna just come out of nowhere. That's gonna be a common theme with all these sports, of course. Yeah, yeah. it could be anyone. Yeah, the awards are not. Gonna, if there's a year where awards, I know we've talked about it in the season review, but if there's a year where awards are not gonna be chalk, it's this year. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I completely agree. On and on the other side in the NL, I mean, I'm taking Ron Acuna. I've seen what the dude can do in a 30 game stretch, and there's no reason he can't have a 2020 season this year. In sixty games, so I'm going to with the home, my hometown boy. For some reason, I, he's he's a stud. Don't get me wrong, but I just feel like he's going to regress a little bit this year. Not badly, he's going to still be very very productive. but I just don't think he's going to be close to like in, in an over 160 game stretch, like a 40 season. Yeah, you keep saying that Phillies fan. <laughs> I'm trying to hope, man. I'm trying to hope a little hope this year. But uh, all right, NL MVP. And Ron, you want to go to if you have your guy. Yeah, I'm gonna go chalk on this one. I, I go into going going the hearts. Wow. Good the last few years. Uh, I mean, his OPS has been off the charts. If he doesn't have a freak injury, take him out in sixty games, he's gonna be borderline unstoppable. Who'd you say? I, I you cut out a little bit. Uh, i okay. going chalk. Mm. I want to say Bryce Harper, but he started pretty slowly the last couple of years. Not gonna go there. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm just going to roll my guys. Let's do Paul Goldschmidt. He's bouncing back, baby. Yeah, you're out of your mind. I <laughs> probably am. Yeah. You're absolutely yeah. out of your mind. Uh, I mean, I think there's going to be the obvious dark horses this year with guys who just get have a, a nice month. Because yep. we've seen guys in the past have freak months, and obviously that doesn't translate over the course of six months, but that'll translate over the course of two and a half. I mean, you, you have a nice 20-game stretch. That could win you an MVP. Yep. And we're exactly. t- we're talking about a freak, maybe like a uh, Dv Gregorius could have a freak month like he's had in the past, um, where that could win him an MVP. That's why I put these award winners like I don't want to. Oh, I never really go chalk because that's boring. Um, so when I pick award winners this year, especially, I'm just kind of picking guys that want to talk about. because it could be anyone. Like you said, one month, twenty games, and your team gets the playoffs. Yeah. you'll Probably win an MVP award. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And over to the other big one, Cy Young. I really don't know who I'm rolling with here because I mean this is just a good five starts. Five to six starts could win you this award. Versus when you Even regularly less, have to have thirty? Yeah. Even less of a sample size hitters. Yep. Yep. Uh if one of y'all have if one of y'all have your Cy Young shoot, because I'm still I'm still pondering a couple names. I'll go Mike Clevenger. So I'm yeah. going, I'm going pretty out of the box on this one. And my rationale is that more so than any other theater, regular season games are really going to matter. Teams are going to exhaust their bullpens in close games. Oh. I'm going to go with Roberto Ozuna. Wow. I, I think if, if the prize have started, if there's a year in the modern era that a reliever can win it, it's this year. Wow. That's a hot take. That's as hot as it gets right there. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I think about that one. Right? I, I mean <laughs> – I think it, it's gonna be really, really hard it, in my mind for a with it. Because even if he has a fantastic year, has ERA of like point seven, there's you have to know there's gonna be a starter that's gonna have an ERA like below one point five. and You mm-hmm. know they're gonna win it. Yeah. If that happens. Yeah. That's a, double yeah. Ed- that's a double-edged. That's a double-edged sword. The one problem. Mm-hmm. There's a complete yeah. double-edged sword with choosing a reliever. I can't. There. I can't pinpoint who that starter is gonna be that gets super hot. So I'll go off the wall a it. bit. All right. That's fair. I'm still, I'm still mulling over a couple options. You know who I'm going to roll with? I'm going to roll Corey Kluber from Texas. I think All he's right. fine. I think it's, this, this has given him a lot of time yeah. to get healthy again, and kind of bounce back. Similar to very, very J. Ramish. Let me put it like that. Very J. Ramish. Yeah. I'm that. rolling with Kluber in the AL. Over in the NL, man. I just, dude. There's no one. You know what? You no, know what? No. I like a Jack Flaherty from the Cardinals. Good pick. Good pick. An insane gonna, second half last year. I don't I don't I don't see why he couldn't continue that on into this year. I'm gonna have to go a bit more chalk. I'm gonna say Jacob DeGrom. Mm-hmm. The, the most underrated pitcher in baseball. Yeah. Far none. Yeah. I don't think we really gonna discuss that. I'm either. gonna go. Yeah, no, he he's legit. That's Oh yeah. I'm gonna go Trevor Bauer.
1: He is oh. so streaky
0: that if he gets hot, he's going to put up the numbers. Yeah. If he get, right. Now, there's a decent chance he starts here, and he's cold, and he's terrible. But if he starts hot, when he's on, he's about as good as it gets. But he is so streaky. Are we picking, like, in, in like 2017 Indians yes. for this whole thing? Like, Trevor Bauer, uh, I <laughs> Kluber, pick Mike Levenger, Kluber, Ramirez. I pick Kluber. Kluber, yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know that's one thing we that kind of get overlooked about that 2016 Cubs and everything. is How good that Indians teams were! Oh yeah, and kind of how how short yeah. they ended up falling. But that, that's another conversation. I guess we'll get there cool. eventually. The 2017 Indians team was a yep. game that won 20 plus games in a row. Yep. Oh yeah. No,
1: strange.
0: those teams were really fun, and I mean, yeah, they I get are. so I don't, I don't, I don't. Can we even go rookie of the year in a sixty game season? Uh, like you know, man, like yeah. anyone like who? I'm, I'm just not. Try my mind, honestly. Yeah, I mean, who? Luis Robert in the AL? I guess that's who I'm gonna roll with. I mean, he's gonna get PT. I just I feel like this is the year that a lot of teams don't take chances on rookies. They're gonna roll out their sixty guys. A yeah. lot of guys aren't gonna get breaks. Like I uh, like in past years, guys like Nick Markakis aren't going to get a break for a, a young prospect like Austin Riley or someone like that because Archaikis is a proven vet. You know, that's just one example of it. I feel like every team's in that kind of same situation. That's interesting. That's an interesting take. I, I don't know. I think it's going to be relatively normal, actually, in that regard. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I see your point. The games matter more than a 162 game schedule, so I see what you're saying. But, uh, yeah, old guys, Archaikis is a good example, actually. You can get tired and you got to have a day off. Yeah, I just I, there's just gonna be so much I mean, less of it. On okay. the other hand, with that, I do think team maybe you could argue that teams may be more likely to take chances on guys because you don't have time to wait for somebody to turn it around in a season this short. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, but I feel like those are gonna be more bench guys than rookies coming up from the bottom thirty man from the sixty man, yeah. basically. Yeah, that 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 I'll give you. That's probably more likely. I don't know honestly don't know. Like, for example, if the Phillies have Alex Boehm, If oh, who's the third base now? Gene Segura? Now he's not, he's not going to. Second base, let's say Scott Kingery really struggles, or an outfitter struggles, they move Kingery to the outfield, move Segura back to second base, and they need a spark. They're like three games out of a playoff spot a month to go. They really need that spark to get them going. Why not throw the hot prospect in there? That, that's a wild card. I mean, that's a risk I be willing to take. Yeah, but it would definitely take a team in the Phillies position, a team that they're not sacrificing but so much. I, I just I just feel like a team that's in contention or a team that feels like they're in contention are gonna be a lot more inclined to put in uh the the vet super utility before they put in the the rookie. So I I I don't know. I just I feel like it's gonna to have to be a guy who's already basically has a starting spot like Robert this year. Okay. But it yeah, but but I a- totally, I totally that. it'll be It'll be interesting to see how teams take an approach to that, though. Are they going to give guys a leash? Maybe even veteran guys like Marcakis. If Marcakis comes up and he starts the year really cold, are they going to go to Apache quick? Right. Are they going to give Charlie Culverson PT in the outfit? Who do they go to? And who do they give them? Yeah, see, I think in a lot of situations, that's, that's the exact situation that we're talking about. I feel like a lot of the times they're going to go to a, a Camargo or a Charlie Culverson yeah. before they go to a Apache, awaiters, waiter's <laughs> uh, Austin Riley. Yeah. Yeah. I can buy that, uh, but uh. Thought, my thought is though, there's less days off. And yes, these games matter more, but less days off, especially arms. I'm talking especially about pitching and they're giving you these extra roster spots and especially teams in like the bullpen, especially when you have a lot of arms that are kind of like mediocre to below average you just each these things up. I can see some more guys getting in there than usual. Kind of like, uh, not, not to this extent, not to the September call up extent, but yeah, I see your point though. Yeah, yeah. But on that, it, it, um, I think for me, yeah, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess uh, I my pick. I'll go McKay for rookie of the year. Yeah, I think just with short oh. season, he'll be able. He might start right. some games, come out of the bullpen, and then he'll hit some. It was it's uh, between him and Robert, unless somebody comes out of nowhere. Yeah, I'm gonna go Robert as well. It's you know, nails kind of weak. You know what's an interesting thing that could happen, though, is do y'all remember a few years ago when we came up and almost made an all-star team in a month? Yep. He yep. There, he was legitimately, he, I don't even think he left his rookie eligibility yet, or he was very close and he almost made an all-star team within a month. What if a guy like Joe Adele comes up for the Angels and that kind of thing happens? Like, that's going to be insane. A guy like Joe yeah. Adele, the, yeah. Angels, the Angels are like, screw it, we'll take a chance on him, and the next thing you know he hits 10 bombs in 20 games. I mean, at this point, yeah, at I this point, even, even Austin Riley's hot start would put him into MVP conversations halfway through this season. Halfway I'm through a sixteen game season. I don't. I don't think it's completely. I don't think it's completely out of the question that uh, a rookie or two could be in the fringe of the MVP yep. race this year. Yep. I mean, Judge almost won it as a rookie in twenty seventeen, and then the last time anyone really was it Ichiro was the last rookie MVP. I believe so. In one Yeah, I believe Has so. Been. Yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. think we would have remembered yeah. it if it wasn't. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I feel like someone was closed recently. Yeah, I'm blanking too. No, Trout, no, 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 no. It's Trout. I'm not sure. No. Yeah, maybe, I think you're right. I think it's easier. Yeah, it's easier. But uh, are there any real big standout rookies in the NL this year that... Lux. Kind of... Lux, yeah. Yeah, Lux. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, just, I'm just going to say Chalk. I'm going to go Robert and Lux. There's some other guys. I think yeah. like, uh off the top of my head at this point. Shogo Akasama might be interesting get- for the Reds. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, because 'cause he'll be a vet. He won't he won't necessarily need a bunch of time to break into the major leagues. Yeah, like, he's definitely. been around. Yeah. a good pick. He's definitely been around long enough. I'll go i Lux, but he's a good pick too. I think it says too. Go- I don't know that there's any, like impact where he's kind of in Lux's position really, you know. Yeah. Keeboom, maybe? Is, oh, yeah, Keeboom. Carter Kibo. That's a good pick. Yeah. Best, best in baseball. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> he does have that goal.
0: Um, I think Lux has probably got a over 50% chance of winning it, mm-hmm. but just to be different, I'm going to say Spencer Howard of the Phillies because I think he's going to get an opportunity to start in that five spot or at least eat up a bunch of innings. And while it takes to get hot for 60 games, I think he can do it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, again, it, it takes literally a six game stretch where a guy's good and that could get yeah. him into Cy Young con- Cy Young contention. Yeah, that's that's, that's all it takes yeah, this I mean, year. What guys are going to get about twelve starts ish? So, yep. six games of elite production, six games of normal three run ball, and you're sitting right there. Heck, Tyler Blas now last year in twelve starts was fantastic until yep. so he got hurt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he actually, well, James 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 Paxton, um, in September yeah. was unbelievable last year.
1: Mr. Uh, yeah. see
0: twenty fifteen. Yeah, that's <laughs> mm-hmm. it's possible. Now that was otherworldly, though. I don't think that's active Yep. Oh no, yeah. he won't. He won't get that level. But that was one of the best players That's a great pick for Cy Young. Yeah, I like. I like that pick, too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, who wins Manager of the Year? Last last award that we're going to go over, I don't think we're going to touch comeback player of the year or anything. Um, manager of the Year, oh, man. If you don't know the Manager's name, I mean, we're just going to go with teams. Teams, yeah. I mean, it's all oh, really, it's, it's who's your surprise playoff team, basically. Yeah. That's what you're picking here. Yep. Um, yeah. Is it, is just still the manager of the Angels, or is that way back? No, they're Madden. Oh, that's right. I'm going to take Joe Madden. I think that's, just, that's, that's who is. I said. I got the man. Oh man, who's the dude for the Red Sox now? Now that Core is gone. All right, uh, Renicky Renicky, yeah, that's who I'm going with. I can't believe you pulled that out of your butt. I didn't know what that was AL East um, fan. For the NL, uh, I think Joe Girardi's got a legit shot to win it, but I don't. I don't want to go Phillies again. Uh, oh. Oh, who's Reds manager? Is it Baker? Dusty Baker, right? No. Mike, or uh, Brian Price? Yes, Brian Price. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes, that's what I'm going to take. Isn't mm-hmm. Dusty Baker back That'd with someone, though? A Houston Astros. That's mostly that. mm-hmm, yeah, up. Yeah, I'll take uh, Brian Price. I think the Reds are going to get this year. You know, I'm going to go Dave Roberts. I feel like the Dodgers are going to have such an insane 60 game stretch that it's going to be hard not to give it to him. 55 and 5. Yeah, <laughs> go. it's going to be something like that. <laughs> It's gonna be something like that, um, but I mean, let's let's just make let's let's kind of get into some hot takes before we start making, I guess, divisional picks. What's gonna happen this year? Uh, I mean, man, I'll, get, I'll get from the manager pick at the end then. I guess. Oh, sorry, I forgot you didn't give one. <laughs> oh, I got I'm didn't. going to prime Price. With yeah, the red. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Dad. Oh, I was gonna use the red <laughs> for hot takes, but apparently that's yeah. not a hot take. I mean, no. I mean, we no, can discuss think, the Reds. The Reds' offense point. is insane, and then if Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo can have good seasons again, they're in a week. In an honestly weak central they can be plenty yeah. good. I actually like them a lot more in a short season than I do in a longer season. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's, pitching is going to be key. This is something I'm going to hear from me say a lot when picking division winners here in a minute. Is if you have a good pitching staff, that's going to be a huge advantage because pitchers always start out hotter than hitters. And yeah, I really like the Reds pitching staff, it's young, looking bright in the future. And I think they're gonna be the in position, although I do think the Cubs are on paper best team still essential. Well it's like it's like the Reds pitching staff is young but they're experienced at the same time with guys like Gray, guys like Bauer. it's not like they're thirty five, 35, 36 yet, but they're they have plenty of innings under their belt, but they're still plenty young to have, you know, a spark where they go for six, seven games where they're unbelievable. And still be consistent enough throughout a season, and then you have a guy like Luis Castillo who looks like a future, oh, close to a future Cy Young winner. He's got that kind of caliber, so. And then, and then when you, the read- yeah, and then I mean, you tag that on with Eugenio Suarez, Mike Mustakis, you know, just absolute Aristides Aquino. You got some absolute donkeys in the lineup. I was still about who was it? I'm I'm blanking, but uh, I was it, I don't think it was Trout, but I was listening to somebody talk the other week, and he said. The hardest pitcher he's faced in the majors is Luis Castillo. I saw that same quote. I don't know who it was, but I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. I do not know who it was, but he said Castillo is the hardest pitcher in the majors right now that he's faced. Wow. What statement. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. know his changeup's really, really good. Um... Yep. yep. Golly, who did say that? That's gonna, that's gonna bug me, because I saw the exact same quote on Twitter. Um... You know you know what Mime? I think the more and more I think about this, the worse and worse this take gets, but I I think the Cubs are gonna finish outside of the playoffs and Chris Bryant's gonna hit below two twenty. Wow. Two twenty? Yeah, Bryant's Bryant's gonna be below the Mendoza line this year. He's gonna have an awful season. It's good. I, I feel like Brian is one of those guys who either super hot or super cold, and he's not going to be able to have the amount of time to get hot. That that's I mean, my I mean, take. I mean, I I don't agree with you, but I can't say it's not possible, especially in a sixty game sample. I this I, we actually I was actually going to mention this in storylines when we got there. Um, Cubs themselves, I. I really feel like they're better than their 84 and 78 record show last year. They just hit that cold stretch where they just didn't do anything. I really feel like they're better. Yeah. Than that. However, I, I can't really argue with you saying they're going to get finished outside of the playoffs. I mean, I think I they're, think. I think they finish, I think they finish fourth in that division. I think they finish third? I got them yeah, I fourth. I got them fourth. I, I've got them. Back I've got them. Back I'm going fourth. I mean, it's that. really a talk. If there's any division that's wide open, it's the innocent. Alex Bregman. Oh, no, no. oh yeah, back back to our point. Alex Bregman. Oh yeah, 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 it was it was Bregman. Said Luis yeah. is the top three is the three one of the three hardest pitchers he faces in the game. Wow. Yeah. Who else did he mention? No one. If he anyone. just he just said Luis so. is the top three. top three toughest to hit in the game. He mentioned it to a pitching ninja tweet. Okay. But anyways. Now, the Central is a toss-up. I mean, I could flip the coin that's in my hand, and that's gonna who's, who's going to win the division. I genuinely, anybody outside of Pittsburgh, I really think any of those teams can finish anywhere 1-4. through four. Yep. Yeah, I agree. That's of a season. Yep. And that's kind of the same thing on the NL East, honestly. But, well, yeah, but you know, Central is yeah. relatively wide open. I'd say less, a little less of the NL East. I think the Phillies are clearly like the bottom of those four teams, yeah. maybe the Mets as well but the Central especially is wide, wide open. The only thing about the East and the Central I see different is if you took any one of the four Braves, Nationals, Phillies, and Mets, you would be talking more about them being a division winner than a coin flip. Yeah. I feel like if you put them in that division, you could make a case for them being the division winner easier than you could make one of the four in the Central being the division winner. Um, mm-hmm. I would think Braves, Nationals, I think, would be clear favorites in Central. Phillies, and Mets... That's to be like a slight favorite. The thing think, would be about even of the teams. But yeah, no, I see your point. Yeah. that's a good point. The East is just better. Like while they have four yeah. teams that are still a toss up, the East is just that much better. And then I, no I mean, outside of, I think the Dodgers might go. I think the Dodgers might win more than forty five games. Ooh, I mean, who yeah, they play? Play they play forty games in their division, and they play twenty uh. games. And then they play 20 games against the AL West. You know what? That's a pretty good take, actually. I forgot, that's, I forgot about that. All their division's crap. Their division's crap. And then on the flip side of that, they're going to get easy wins in Seattle. Um, the other four teams aren't going to be easy, but uh, I, th- I their interleague team games might be tougher than their in division games. Quite mild. I mean, what? Astros, Athletics, Angels be tough. Mm-hmm. Texas and is going to be tough enough. Yeah, in the division, I mean, no. Padres maybe. Yeah, yeah is. Arizona, eh, maybe. Yeah. But who did who did Arizona add? My <laughs> well, some They've already been facing him. Yeah. Probably Marte. Yeah, he doesn't move the needle much for me when it comes to beating the Dodgers. <laughs> but I I do wonder I are. Can one of the NL East te- or NL West teams kind of use that soft schedule of the Padres with the D backs to boost them? I mean, a three or four game difference is going to matter a ton. You talk about playing your division games in the NL West versus the NL East? That no. very well could decide to play off spots. Dude, the, literally, the East is going to be an absolute bloodbath this year because the AL East has to yeah. play the NL East. We're talking Yankees, Red Sox, Rays, and the four teams. In the NL? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. On top of the Blue Jays, who you don't know what's going to happen with this year. I mean, the Orioles and Marlins yeah. might not win 15 games. I was literally about to – right before you said that, Ryan, I literally changed my playoff teams in the NL because I thought the exact same thing you did right before you said it. That's, that's a great point. Dude. Yeah, the Orioles – I think the Marlins will win about 15. The Orioles <laughs> – wow. dude, they might, they might be lucky to win 15. Good and Yeah, they used to explode. Meanwhile, but it's 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 weird how I think both centrals are such toss ups. Yeah. The cent I think the centrals are gonna be the best divisions to watch. I mean when it comes to races. I think competitively speaking, the AL and the NL East games are gonna be the best of, the best of baseball, but yeah. the Central's gonna be know, yeah. the Central's gonna be quite the fun race. This is, I have a question about the Central. Yeah. I did want to bring up the Indians in particular. I think they're kind of a team to watch this year. Are they, in your opinion, starting to kind of go on the decline a bit? Yes. Because I think they're still, I agree they are, but I think they're still yeah. talented enough that they can make the playoffs and be competitive. Oh, absolutely. I think. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing else to say right there. They still have guys like Lindor, J Ram, and then Clev and Shane Beaver, but at the same point. Who knows if they're going to re-sign Lindor for the next ten years or not? And if they don't, that's when that's when the decline really starts. You can see yep. it. You can see the cliff. That's. The I really thing. think this is the last golden opportunity to do something in the playoffs. Sixty games. Yeah. They're. I don't think. I think they're pretty clearly the number two team to the Twins in Central. But if there's any year that they're going to do it, this is the one. I. Uh, I. You. Uh, you just made a thought pop in my head. Do you think, knowing what we know now, 60 game season and everything that went on, do you think, like, the Red Sox would go back and undo the Betts trade? Do you think the Indians would go back and undo the Clooper trade? Yes. Yes. I, I, I would maybe say yes to both. I think, I think the Red Sox, I don't, I think the Red Sox made a mad, bad move in the first place, trading bets for what I thought was kind of eh, anyways. And I really think they would go back and do it again. Or not, yeah. I didn't didn't like the Red Sox trade to begin with. Now, if you're talking about just simple fact of trading with the bets, forget what you get in return. Um, I think the Red Sox would stick with that because, again, we talked about how low the beast is. How much does that really help them? The Indians in their hands, yes. I think they would have undone that. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, Bauer would have helped them significantly. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, Last and final call for hot takes, any of them, before we get to finish it up with division winners and stuff. Oh, offense in MLB this season. This is what we're really going to talk about. So we know last year home runs just went insane. The balls were, <laughs> they were of course not juiced. I'm putting air quotes mm-hmm. around that. Um, what happens if Major League Baseball decides to unjuice the baseballs this year? Especially, we know how pitchers usually start out. They start out much hotter than hitters. That's than the case. So with only 60 games here, if they de-juice the baseballs and the offense struggles at the game of the season, are we going to see a steep decline in offensive production yep. during 60 games? Yep, I feel like it could be a I... very defense and pitching dominated season. If that scenario plays out, I agree with you, but I think they know as well as you do that pitching starts out hotter. I don't think they de-juice the baseball this year. Okay. I, I'm not sure on that. I mean, my personal opinion is they should never use baseballs, but that's my. <laughs> I think they just kept the baseball the same as it was. It was fine, and home runs were still increasing anyway, so they wanted to increase home runs. Just, it was happening naturally, but, but now that they tweaked it, don't go back on. It. Yep. Yeah. Uh, just a quick note: um, this is probably you've probably already seen this, but Rangers are going to have to open up their new ballpark, the first one since. First new ballpark since 2017, and only the second in the last 10 years, with no fans. Ouch. Well, I mean, right. I guess that that's one way to uh, make sure the stadium is nice and ready for everyone else. <laughs> Bra- Barely break yeah. it in. Although to me, oh, be- um, Uh I was going to mention, like, oh. I, frankly, I thought the Rangers' ballpark down in Arlington was it was definitely top half ballpark in baseball. I really liked it. I don't know why they got rid of it. It wasn't that old. Um, the Heat. And that's the only reason I can think of. I mean, yeah, it's a dome, though. So it, no, that, that, I've heard about it. The, the Heat. It's I mean, players, players didn't like it. Fans especially didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I wouldn't want to sit in a 103-degree Texas day in the middle of the stands just sweating my buns off for three hours. That's fair, I guess. Alright, let's get into uh let's get into yeah. visional let's get into visual stuff. Sure. let you want to start the AO or the NL NO? AL I guess. Alright, A-L. Right. AL East. Who wins it? Right? Yankees. Yeah, didn't see that Yankees. one coming. Yankees. I'll take the <laughs> <laughs> What do you want me to say? I don't know. <laughs> uh but yeah, it's... I got yeah, I gotta go game. Yeah, there's some teams, there's some divisions, even in 60 game schedule. I just, I just can't see any other team winning it. Yeah. Uh, in the Central. I gotta I have, go with the Twins. It's too yep. deep. Yep. And they, they improved the now. Want, I wanted to put the Indians, and I actually wrote the Indians down, and I was like, they're just, I can't go against the Twins. They're too good of a year last year. They're too deep. I think they overperformed a bit last year, but. The fact that they have won hurt games and added guys like Josh Donaldson, who's that pitcher they added? Good heavens. My hitter. Yes. Yes. my Yes. I think they're going to be legit. I think they're a like, the, very clear favorite in Central. Indians, for every point that we made, every point that we made for the rest of the pod that hitters start cold, and the Indians have pitching and veteran hitting versus guys who, are flashes in the pan, or have yet to prove themselves as more than a flash in the pan. Miguel Sano, Mitch Garver, etc. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a fair take. I can totally see that playing out. I I think I think that's not a, far from impossible. I just, I'd probably give it maybe 60-40 wins. Yeah. Maybe. Yep, that's fair. But it's cool. It's going to be a good race. That's fair. Alright, in the West. The West? mm mm-hmm. rolling with with the athletics, we talk, mentioned a bunch of times their pitching is kind of inferior to other teams. I strongly disagree with that. They don't have the stud, but they had the sixth-best team ERA in baseball last year. They are not sure. And I think, uh, here's the other thing, is the Astros this year are going to get every other team's best every single night. And you know it. Yep. I, I think that's going to cost them two or three games. And those are even significant. I really I really believe yeah, plays like winning the division this year. Yep. Uh mm-hmm. I mean Ryan are you going to have a chalk take or a hot take? Well, I had Matt Olson as my MVP. So I guess I got to have Oakland winning the division too, right? I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess. I know you're about to say, I know you're about to say Justin. I'm going with Texas. Oh. I don't know what you're I'm going say. with Texas. Texas last year was hot. I mean they were they were Top, I think they were second in the division last year for the beginning of the season, and that was due to Mike Miner and Lance Lynn kind of coming out of nowhere, and I think with the addition of Kluber now, they're going to have some vets on their staff, and that's if that's what I'm rolling with for the Indians, that's what I'm going to roll with for Texas. I still like their offense now. Texas. I, yeah, I, I will, I will die on the game. hill. I, I will die on the Joey Gallo staying hill until... He's, I agree. Yeah, he's great, but it takes more than one guy, man. I agree. I agree. I mean, Todd Frazier has maybe a bounce back year. Oh gosh. Rugged Rug you know, door. Danny Santana wasn't bad my, my, last year. My, 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 a I mean, it's asking. For, it's asking for a lot, but I don't feel like that's asking for anything different than Sean Maneo to lead an athletic staff to a division I win either. Agree. The, the athletics staff is very. It's deep. It's not like this year, your This it's very deep. Sixth best team ERA baseball, like good heavens. Yeah, it's more to their pin. I mean, I, I don't know how much I can trust Daniel Bengtson and Chris Bassett. Who cares about it's starter or leavers. It's the, the fact of not giving up runs, so Yeah, I mean, You're, I mean don't. that's fair. I'm I'm not going to jump on the Liam Hendricks, train either for the pin. I don't know. I'm just i just I just I trust I trust the Rangers offense more than I trust the Athletics. Pitching staff. Well, let let me put it like that. But no, I mean that's I've given my two cents on the Rangers. And it's going to be my hot take: as the Rangers come away in that division somehow, someway? See. It's going to be close. It's going to be a dog fight. But I think it's um, I'll die on the Joey Gallo and Mike Miner's Stan Hill. Thank you very much. I know, I know. We said that the NL Central was probably the division that has the biggest toss up, but I'm most interested to see the AL race. I, I think see. everybody's in it except the Mariners, and I. I would. I'm interested to see how the Astros respond. Are they? Uh, how are they going to deal with getting every team the best every night? And I'm really curious about the Angels. Trout's got a star. They have a shortened season. If they get hot, they can make a run. Are they going to have any arms to put on the mound? <laughs> <laughs> yep. No. Um, would y'all rather stay with the wild card teams or go over to the In Division winners? Wild card. All right. Hit me with yours. Knock him out, Alright, hit me with yours. Oh. So, oh, Ryan. I'm sorry, go ahead, Ryan. I've got Houston and Cleveland. Cha. Sure. Yeah. So, I picked the Rays and the Braves to make the World Series. Although, your point about the East being so loaded this year is kind of making me second-guess whether the Rays will have enough wins to win the wild card. But I'm oh, still going to pick... Yeah, my I, Yeah, I still pick them to win the winner, not the Series, Sorry. Get to the World Series, so I have to pick them. And the this this is gonna be my hot take. I think the Angels are gonna do it. I think the Angels are gonna have enough wins to, to get it done, sneak into the wild card. I can see it. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, I can see it. Um, the pitching is obviously is the big flaw. I'm going it's a very big. Flaw. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. Um, I, I can't. I can't. I can't. I cannot drop that pitching staff to give up less than five runs a game. Oh Tony, like, like I feel like I feel like every single year where if the Angels can only get a pitching staff, they'll be decent. And it never happened. And why is this year any different? Mm-hmm. Because of Tani Sun. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if he can stay healthy. Yeah. True. Uh, on the note of the Angels, I'm staying in the West. i am got to go to Houston and Oakland. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Both in the west. Yep. Both yeah, that's the of them. That's going to be really tough this year for that to, have to happen. I can see it. They're both really good. I think they're the two best. Yeah, I think they're the two best wildcard teams you have left. Mm-hmm. But still. Yep. Um, so, moving over to the Inno. And then we'll, then we'll get into some of the playoff stuff. Who's one in the East? I mean, Braves. Okay. You, you got my pick. It's. Brian? All right. They're great. They're too good. Too much talent. Way too much talent. I want to go with the Nats. I like their pitching staff. But I just, after losing Rendon, I I can't put faith in an offense that is Juan Foto and everybody else. Yep. Hmm. Braves are depth? No, no, no doubt in my mind, Braves are the best team on paper. Second best team on paper in the NL behind the Dodgers. But, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, Max Scherzer, that's too good, man. I-, I gotta go, Nats. Yeah, have fun if with two know. runs a game. I mean, yeah, the offense is probably be league. You only it, up four. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and oh no, by the way, Annabelle Sanchez is a heck of a fourth starter. So I mean, they're they're deep. I like the staff too much. Yeah, it's yeah. Fair. I could disagree, but I'm not trying to go on for an hour and a half, so that would be would like, be like me picking the Red Sox for the East. Me and Ryan debating that for a while. Oh yeah, we were going. Yeah, further. yeah. <laughs> um, over onto the Central. Um, I'm gonna have to go with the Reds. Y'all convinced me earlier in the pod. I think y'all really moved the needle for me. I'm gonna have to go Reds. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of gave that away earlier, but yes, I'm most the Reds. I I I can't pick Brian Price as my you NL know, Manager of the Year and not have the Reds the hmm I mean, I even forgot to mention Castellanos is over there now, too. Whew. Yeah. and uh, wow. That lineup's loaded. My gosh. It's, happening. it's kind of amazing. Out. No, is it, is it uh, Justin's boy, Derek Dietrich? Yeah, I mean, he'll oh, yeah. be a great, pinch hitter. <laughs> a great <laughs> pinch hitter. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Probably, according to media, the Reds is, what, third or fourth best team in the Central, mm-hmm. and we all have That's people. Yep. yep. So, yeah. she knows. Um, I mean, do we even really need to have a discussion about the West? Dodgers. I mean, I think the Dodgers are going to be the best team in baseball. Record-wise. Yeah. If not talent-wise. Um. So, two wild card picks. I mean, I'll get mine right off the deck. I'm going to go have to go with the Nats. And I'm going to have to go with the Brewers. Okay. Don't know why? Do not, do not ask me to defend that pick. I feel it in my loins. That's the best way I can give it to you. All right. So I initially had Braves and I picked Phillies because I'm a homer, but Ryan's argument earlier definitely changed my mind about like the East teams. So that's what I mentioned I switched earlier. So just because of how weak the West is going to be, I, I gotta go Padres. Wow. Okay. Braves and Padres wild card. Okay, it's a ballsy pick. I have. I think the East is going to be an absolute bloodbath. I didn't have an AL East team in the wild card, and I'm not going to have an NL East team in the wild card either. I'm going to go Cubs, and because I think the Cubs are, I, I've talked about them last pod. I like them. I think they're going to have a bounce back here this year. Uh, if they can come out on top in their games against the Brewers and the Cardinals, they'll gain some ground. AL Central's pretty weak. And I'll go with the Padres too, for the oh. same reason. I, I think they have a weak schedule. If they get hot, they've got the talent. We talk about them and the White Sox can make a leap, but they're gonna have a really easy schedule compared to say the Nationals or the Phillies. So yeah. I think it was kind of a toss-up between the Padres and the uh, D-backs. I think it's gonna be a toss-up between them. Uh, I think mm-hmm. the Padres, young, the youth, they get healthy. Yeah. Yep. yep. You know, I like them Oh yeah, you, you probably think they're gonna win it by ten games with the Dbacks. No. It, it was close. I I wanted to I wanted to go with Arizona, but I gotta go with San Francisco. Right. San Francisco. Oh, sorry, I'm right, a Definitely not cool. San Francisco. <laughs> no. Hey, this one's cool. <laughs> Here. Unless, unless Buster Posey no. turns back the clock and Tim Lincecum also turns back the clock and resigns exactly. with them, the sides are much. Oh my gosh. Mm. Um, I mean. I don't want to speculate too much because we don't know. I guess seeding wise, so who's going to come out in the World Series for you guys? Who's going to be a World Series matchup? We'll just go straight to the World Series for now. Are we? We have to say the same as last pod? No, I mean you—you've had time to change your mind. Okay. That and you had a definitive. Okay, this is how the season's going. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because last we, time- I don't think we knew. Like, what the divisions got to do. No. Like, and we here. didn't know if it was gonna be expanded playoffs or not. Oh well I wouldn't pick the race to get out yeah. I know now. But okay. Um <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go out of the AL man, I don't out of the AL, I'm gonna have to go with the Yankees and out of the AL, you know, I'm gonna have to go Braves. It's chalk as it gets, but when it's playoff time it's playoff time. I'm gonna take the um, you know. I think it's gonna be the Braves and Dodgers for the hey, C S. will you know what? I'm gonna go with the Twins. I really like the Twins this year. Mixing it up a little bit. Twins and Dodgers for low series. Yeah, I mean that's if the twins don't run into the Yankees in the first round, like every <laughs> other year they've ever made the playoffs. I was is about to win. Eleven playoff games in a row or something like that. Uh huh. Apparently, said they want a like, double digit playoff games in a row. But I you know, I gotta go Yankees. Can't pick against them. So, um I guess I can't Justin went Braves Yankees, so I'm gonna go Dodgers Yankees. Uh it's chalk, but like you said, Justin, playoff time, best two teams in baseball. They both have great pitching tasks. They both have the same line up. Of- I really think those two teams are kind of a notch above the I mean, yep. some of the Yankees. Yep. I mean, one thing before we get into, our, I guess, our final World Series predictions, one thing that I'm seeing more and more is the best teams in baseball right now are built very, very similarly. They have strong bullpens. They have a couple top-line starters, and their lineups are just insane. That's how I see kind of the Yankees. That's how I see the Braves. That's how I see the Dodgers. That is a 200 IQ comment there, Justin the best is in baseball folks that can have really good lineups really good pitching staffs <laughs> <laughs> okay you didn't what there's there's no You're one there's no good. one all the Yankees that screams ace pitcher I mean Ryan can argue Louis Severino all he wants but there's no one that doesn't I can I can scream Mike Soroka very, all I want very old, very old oh yeah board. I forgot that happened this year
1: I forgot that <laughs> happened this year
0: that did happen this year didn't it mm, that sucks yeah, yeah. That happened this year. Hmm. Garrett Cole in Yankee uniform. That's ugly. Oh, yeah. I hope you. I, I got my t-shirt. Got too, my yeah, I'm talking... Yes, yes. That's what I'm referring to, is pitching staff okay. depth. Their they're, sure. they're 4-5 guys are a lot better than other teams' 4-5 guys, and usually their bullpens are a lot deeper. Like, we look at... You look yeah. at a lot of bullpens, and they always have kind of the standout closer, the good setup man but when we're discussing teams like the Yankees, the Braves, the Dodgers, they have guys that are really good 1 through 7 coming out of their pen. And I mean even 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 teams like the Phillies who are striving to be a good team have deep bullpens. And teams that fail more often than not don't. It sounds cliche and maybe a little bit dumb, but those two teams, we kind of hinted at it when we did our, uh, positional rankings, um, a couple months ago. I think the Yankees and the Dodgers made everybody's list as far as best lineup, best pitching uh-huh. staff, and best bullpen. And yeah, I mean, obviously the best teams are going to have the best position group, but I don't think either of those teams have a legit weakness. I mean, their pitching staffs are as good as anybody's in baseball. Their bullpens are as good as anybody's in baseball, and the Yankees, I might argue, is easily the best in baseball, and they have probably the top two lineups in baseball as well. Like, you can pick and choose things from other teams, like the Nats have a star-studded rotation, but the Yankees and Dodgers are not too far behind. They just don't have any weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I was trying to say, is that I? there's a lot of teams, there's, one yeah. thing you can point out, but... Man, the top three or four teams do not have anything that you can really point out and say, "Man, that really sucks." You better, you better hit your way over to other teams, or you better that—that's what's separating the Twins from the Yankees, or that's what's separating the the I would you know the Cubs from the Dodgers. Yeah. What's what's the, least of the Twins Holton? Starting pitching staff. I mean, right. I'm not. I either... yeah, a me. yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if I'm. When you're when you're talking about the twins, I'm definitely not relying on Jake Odorizzi to. Oh sure, re- really be an ace against Garrett Cole or who else? I mean, their pitching staff's just not that deep, or it's not necessarily not deep. It's there, not star studded. I know you're not big on. Mm-hmm. So I I would argue that depth gets you okay. the postseason, and then the stars lead you through the postseason. That's what we've seen in yeah. years and years. Like the Athletics always had very. Deep, yeah. solid teams, regular teams. Twins are another great example of that. I, I love the Twins this year, but I- that's your point. It's a very, it's very, very play. Yep. Alright. World Series winners. Gabe, give me yours first because I feel like the next two are going to be very biased. I, I think the Dodgers are to be ever done. This is the year, baby. Dodgers are winning it. 2020. Oh, I've heard that one since 2012. I don't think I've ever picked the Dodgers. Uh, no, not from you. Just from media in general. Oh. Well, I, said it's good. I mean I mean they've had probably a top three team in baseball going into mm-hmm. season every year since twenty twelve. The uh, two thousand ten I mean, Dodgers have been the nineteen nineties Braves, just without the World Series. So hey yeah. I mean Well, no. they, they were in the NLCS both years that the Phillies made the World Series. Yep. They weren't amazing those years, but they were there. Yep. They yep. are literally the nineties Braves. Yeah. Uh Ryan, would you like to say the Yankees or can we move on? Um, I'd like to say it. Okay, the Yankees. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And just like, and just like Ryan said, David, the Yankees. If the Phillies had a, if the Phillies had a glimmer of a chance, I'm sure you'd take them too. Yeah. I mean, if they were a top three team in baseball, probably, but they're not close. Yeah, for sure. And, and just as Ryan said, the Yankees. I'm going to go ahead and say the Braves. Would you call the Braves the top three team oh. in baseball? At least top five. Uh, I would say they're number three on yeah. paper. They're easily they're easily top five. I think they're three or four. Them or I think the way I see it is yeah. it's a clear top two, and then three through five is above 16, ten pretty heavily. Who's the fifteen? Yeah. Houston, Ryan, Houston. Houston. I think I got to go. Nats at five. Yeah, Nats at I, five. I have a hard time not putting Nats at five. I would say Braves over the Nats today. But okay, that's that's fair. I think I might not with athletics or twins, but yeah. Okay. I think there's a. I well, I mean you make a good point. I think there might be a two two and then the rest. Maybe yeah. a top two and then kind of the next two oh, okay. and then the rest of baseball. Yeah. On yeah. papers. Yeah. yeah. You have your two or three regular season teams, three twins athletics race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you, you have you have your more more or less money ball teams. I've got a quick question for both of y'all. Dave, you picked the Dodgers to win the World Series. That uh, question popped in my head. If the Dodgers win the World Series, do you think they are more or less likely to re-sign Mookie? Less. More. Mookie's going to want to stay there. I think more. Less. I think more. Honestly, I think Mookie might want to stay there anyway. You know what? Uh-huh. My, you, wanted to, you wanted to stay in Boston too. I'm. I might change my. Everyone wants to stay in L. A. Like no one goes L. A. and is like, oh, I hate it yeah. here. It's Boston. I go. Except ride. Rendon. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. You know, here, here's my Rendon turned him down. Here, here's here's my I'm biggest less. There. Here's my biggest reason for less. Yeah. Because if the Dodgers win the playoff or win the World Series, win the playoffs, win the World Series and Mookie Betts is a standout performer, maybe not MVP, but a standout performer, some team, whether that be the Braves, I mean, the Dodgers are usually that team, but if it's not the Red Sox, the Braves, a team like that are going to drive Mookie Betts' price up so high that the Dodgers are like, you know what, we can probably find talent in our own farm system. No, that's a fair point. <laughs> what well, I would say, the reason I went I, to Justin's opinion on this one kind of changed my mind is, I think Mookie's probably, you know, his, desire to be there, I don't think is going to be affected so much by whether they win the World Series or not. The Dodgers are good, regardless of whether they get to the World Series or not. Everyone knows that. And they're going to be good for years to come. So I don't think his desire to leave or stay will be altered. But if the Dodgers win the World Series, the Dodgers may be more motivated to be like, well, we want it now, so we don't have to try as hard to keep the guy because we already won the World Series. But if we if they lose it, they're now they're more in panicky mode like, oh, we have to win it while the window is open, so we have to resign everybody it's more like the attitude of the front office I think but that's a good point to suggest Justin I like, I like that argument because yeah, just just points have someone waiting there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but to lock, yeah, to, lock that side of it. to lock to lock them in Gabe Dodgers Ryan Yankees Justin Braves that came out as biased as possible <laughs> that's that's absolutely <laughs> wonderful but uh I'm excited for the season I'm excited for the season I'm happy what Guys reported today, right? I mean, we're recording, what, the first guys reported today? Yeah, July right? We're starting the 23rd, 24th that weekend, right? I believe so. Alright, boys. I I can't wait. I got two more questions. Okay, hit us. Alright. Who do you think, which, which is to be the best player baseball? Or what, how do you think people, sorry, let me rephrase this. How do you think people react when inevitably a superstar is sits out this season. Are people going to be supportive? Are people going to be against him? Are people going, oh, going to be some both controversy? Way, both ways. Both yeah. ways. I mean, I, yeah, I, I I've already general- seen it with Ian Desmond. People are hanging Ian Desmond by... They're either saying he's doing a lot of right things, or people are, you know, killing him. And I don't think it's going to make a difference whether it's Mike yeah. Leake, Ian Desmond, or... Whomever or Arenado, I don't think it's going to make a difference Aronado, which guy actually. it was. Big brain, that might not be a bad move for Arenado. I mean, he he should. I, I'm not saying he shouldn't play, but if anyone's to sit out, any superstar, he's one of the ones. I don't know Rockies are going anywhere. You never know sixty games, of course, but
1: it's not like Derek Cole
0: being like, "I going to sit out." I just, I think it's, I think it's going to be a split decision, though. Just like any other political or, because frankly, Corona's become political. I don't. I, I think it's going to be like anything like that. Um, yeah, I think the silent majority will be maybe not supportive of it, but be okay with it. There's always going to be that loud minority that just dashes the crap out of them. And you know what? If I'm a put, people went after Blake Snell when he said he wasn't taking a cut on top of the prorated salary. But you know what? If you have worked, to provide yourself with the finance, I know you can call, to play the privilege card. Yeah, you're playing a sport. You're already a millionaire. There are people delivering your food that make minimum wage. Well, you know what, though? Luck or not, whatever it may be, if you're in the position where you have the financial stability to make a sound decision for your family and for your health, and you choose to exercise that right and make that decision, I can't fault you for it. I agree. 100%. Yep. Yep. Uh I'm of the one where I'm like, hey man, I probably would have played, but if you feel like it's yep. you're safer with your family and you're safer around not playing, hey man, your decision. It's it's not no. it's not my place to tell yep. you one way or another. It's like Ian and Desmond that. was like, I have four kids and a pregnant wife. I'm like Well in that case I'm probably not playing. I'm I'm probably not subjecting yeah. yeah. night you know, That's three to written. four months of my life away from my pregnant wife. So I can say it better myself. That's, yep. 100%. I know, oh, know was the thing? Uh I had something else. I've I've okay. got a, a quick tidbit while we're on the topic of uh, pay a little bit. Um, sure. You guys know who's going to be the highest pay- paid player in baseball this season? Ooh, I don't know, but let me guess. Uh you Darvish? No. Ah, Prince Fielder. Wow. What?
1: Oh. Wow. He
0: could- right. He could- He's getting like 20, $24 million or $26 million from the Rangers. You know the second highest-paid player in baseball? Oh. Wee-Yin Chen. And if the, Marlins had kept him, if the Marlins had kept him, instead of cutting him, they'd have saved $14 million. Uh, they're cheating. Red. Wow. And the Marlins have no money. They're spending... Oh, my God. That's so Marlins. Yep. They would have saved $14 million just by doing what the Orioles have done with Pete Davis. Sorry, Mark. Think, think of all the money they're saving this year by keeping him on the roster than if they cut him next year. Yeah, that's a rough one. All right, last—I remember my last right. point, point, but question. So we we, we I have, you posed the question earlier, like if you had to put odds on what season's going to happen. This was a while ago. This is like when they're still arguing. I think most of us said like fifty-fifty, the consensus. I still don't think 100 of the season happens. What odds are you putting on it now? I would say nine. 85/15 that it happens. But the coronavirus is just picking up again. I don't what's what's the cutoff line basically? What's the cutoff line? Where are they going to draw the line? Um I'm I'm 95% cool. sure the season's going to happen. Um but that there's a big 5% that if this continues to skyrocket like it is right now because the flatten the curve, not to get political, has we we dropped it and now we're right back to the peak at where it was a few months ago. If it continues to go up then Those concerns will be made. Uh, But I I give that like a 5% chance that it doesn't happen. I'm optimistic. I'm going to be optimistic about it. That's good. Mm -hmm. It is so hard to say because I, if it doesn't happen, it won't be because of anything other than the virus getting out of hand Mm -hmm. and player safety not being able to be just looking for, not guaranteed, but that they can't do a good job of uh maintaining player safety. And yeah. I would probably put it at a between eighty and ninety percent that I think it'll happen. But I think there is like a doomsday like five percent scenario that could make things really bad. And if one of those scenarios hits, we won't it'll it'll shut down. I am more com- I'm more confident that the baseball season happens than basketball and football. Dad, I'm with you. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. But here's one thing. I though. don't think college it football happens. happens. No, I don't, think I, I don't think any football happens. College football, NFL football, I don't think any of it happens. They're going to try their damn to play in the spring. I, I don't think college football. Yeah, too much physical contact on field. They're gonna, I think college football, just to go really quickly off tangent, um, I really think college football is mm-hmm. going to try to play in the spring. I don't think players going to like that enough. It's going to be garbage. You know how much money football brings in for colleges? Yeah. Of course they're going to oh, try to play. Yeah. They, they wish, they wish, but, but, colleges will be. are going to be quicker to scrap spring mm-hmm. sports than they ever will to not play football. Yeah, Great. yeah I mean, they'll move football to the spring before they give up on it. But I do think the one differentiator between the NFL and college, I know there's a lot more physical contact in football, and I do think it's less likely that we have an NFL season than that we finish the MLB season. Highly less likely. But in the NFL, those players are all borderline millionaire paid athletes and if teams tell them it is your contractual duty to be responsible and stay at home, I mean they're kind of obligated to do so. What are you gonna do with college teams? What are you gonna do with three hundred and fifty pools worth of college football players with ninety players on the roster? Mm-hmm. You cannot have done all of them. Yep. It will not happen. Yep. I think we were talking about this a few weeks ago and I said what happens if, you know, some Left in for Virginia Techs make a game-winning sack. You don't think he's gonna go party afterwards? You think he's going back to his yep. dorm room and gonna go study for the test Monday? No, <laughs> no. And that, I mean, and that goes not, for all it's colleges. Yeah, the people the people they have class with, the people that they have to go to the dining hall with, mm-hmm. people that the freshmen have to live in the dorms with. You can isolate yourself a lot more easily as a pro athlete than you can as a college athlete, and I just cannot see. Well, at, at this point, I'd be surprised if we have college really basketball. Oh yeah, no, I agree. Oh well, here's, the here's, thing. Here's, the thing. here's the thing. You already, yep. you already mentioned this, Justin, but or Ryan, I'm sorry, about the pay, which is obviously the differentiator here. Yes, it's a low risk for athletes that they die, but I saw a question posed the other day, which is a great, great point. How many college athletes deaths deaths is too many? One. One. That's that's the correct answer. And even if the probability I think the probability of like people eighteen to twenty four dying is like but do you know how many college athletes there are? The odds are that a couple are going to die if if we do this. See, this This is, again, kind of on the same tangent and we need to wrap this up here soon, but when we're talking about corona and the reason it broke out, if nothing was shut down and locked down kind of as quickly, I'm putting that into quotes here for you guys, as quickly as it was, this thing would be way bigger than it is now. So just imagine it getting back on a college campus that's opened up too soon, and everyone going to a football game, and then that—just imagine it breaking out on a school as big as Tech, or a school as big as University of Florida, or you know any big SEC, ACC, Pac-10 school. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! That—that's worst case scenario. That's absolute worst case scenario. It getting on a college campus is worse than it is getting in Yorktown Walmart. Oh yeah. Not even close. So yeah, just that's where just I'm at with that. To the, sorry to bring this back to the baseball point though. Um, kind of think the worst. This is just like in regards to like player owner relations. The most doomsday scenario is perhaps in the middle of the season. Let's say like you said, it gets really bad again. Cases are spiking. You know that for you know damn well the owners are not going to be the first to react. It's to be the players. Yep. The players so to be like, okay, hey, what the fuck What are we doing? Yep. What the hell? Why are we still playing? And then the owners be like, "Oh, we no, we're playing." Uh-huh. And the owner, and the players just say, uh, "No, we're not going to take your crap anymore." And there's going to be a strike. If it gets bad enough, I, that's I, how it's going to play out. I do think once they get started, though, it's going to be more dependent on if they're testing every day. It's going to be more dependent on, um, what player testing looks like than everything else. If they start having players test positive and those pick up, yeah, absolutely. But if we remain at zero or kind of the expected number of player positive tests and everything around them is going up, but that number is staying kind of static, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they just continue course. Yep. All That's right. It. Last thing. First Astro to get hit. Who is it? Bregman. Cor- Cor- no, sorry, Correa. Yep. One, Correa. Correa. I- Dying lead batting leadoff. Uh, yeah. Springer. Springer. <laughs> Springer. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going Correa. I'm going Correa. I think they'll. I think they'll save the bullets for Correa. He, I think he pissed a lot of the leadoff off when he went on that Dellinger rant. Yeah. Uh, currently the best odds are on Bregman at three fifty, and I know Correa's at four hundred right after. <laughs> yes, I saw it today. <laughs> yes, there are real odds. I'll make. I'll, I'll try to send you those guys. That's gonna wrap us up. Every oh. parents has gone. We'll make sure to catch you guys next week.